We are continuing today from Revelation 7, 12. And it begins by saying, War broke out in heaven. Actually, it begins by saying, and war broke out in heaven. This is not a reference to a chronology, but a simultaneous happening. While these other things were going on, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels uh, fought. Dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Just the, the, that piece is so rich. Two verses, uh, seven and eight. <clears throat> war and war broke out in heaven. Now, the war is between. Michael, war is being fought between the archangel Michael and his angels and they fought with the dragon and his angels. Let me show you something about the dragon before we go much further. Just the next verse no longer place found for them in heaven. So, the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old, now who, where did we find the serpent of old? In the garden, at the beginning. That serpent of old called the devil and Hasatan or Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him." Now, this is extremely rich in terms of telling us things. So the dragon is who? The dragon is the serpent that appeared in the garden. What is his name? Satan. In the Hebrew, it's Ha-Satan, Ha-Satan, which is the accuser of the brethren, a prosecuting attorney. So he's called a serpent, which is a form of dragon. Um, He's called the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan. So this would be like a list of um, descriptions. You know, in any document you might have a list of descriptions. Um, So when we're referring to the dragon, we're going to be referring to Satan. When we're referring to the dragon, we're going to be referring to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. When we're referring to Satan, we're going to refer to the devil. When we're referring to the dragon, we're referring to Satan. 
glossary of terms, very useful. And I noticed something. They both have angels, both sides. Michael has angels under his command and Satan. You could move around in the language. If the dragon is described as the old serpent, Satan, the devil, then you may, so, you may say with equal, with equal conviction of, of what the truth is that the devil's angels, reserved for the devil and his angels, or you may refer to uh, Satan and his angels. So when there's a, an angel who has the, when, when there are, when the bottomless pit is open, as we saw in earlier readings, when the bottomless pit is open and demons come up out of the abyss who come up in a fashion that reminded the writer of locusts, a swarm of locusts, and they have over them a king whose, whose name is the angel of the abyss, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and whose name in Greek is Apollyon. This is one reference to the angels. You know, the angels who are before God, they stand before God, and the angels with Satan. One of the angels who was before God identified himself as such to Mary when he came to Mary and said, uh, uh, greeted her and said, I am Gabriel, one of the angels who waits before God. Here's another one of them, Michael. Gabriel is the messenger. I don't know that that's his exclusive function. I tend to believe that because angels tend to be singular purpose messengers or singular purpose um, yeah, messengers or functionaries and they're extremely good at what they do. In a war, you don't want to be on the side that opposes Michael. We have examples of Michael at war. Uh, Gabriel on one occasion came with a message from heaven. This is in the book of Daniel. Uh, Gabriel came with a message from, from the throne uh, to, to Daniel while Daniel was in Babylon. And the prince of Persia, a demonic spirit who ruled the nation of Persia, and demonic spirits rule over nations. Um, when nations are given into or given over to uh, their, their, their own views of things and wickedness, demonic spirits rule over them and the demonic spirits actually, are, or shall I say, the people in that domain behave in a manner that puts on display the character of the demonic spirit that rules over the area. So the prince of Persia 
was about centralized power. Centralized power. The prince of Greece who replaced him and Daniel was told by Gabriel that when he came through, the prince of Persia opposed him and when he returned, the prince of Greece would come. The demonic spirit known as the prince of Greece was not centralized in his command structure and so he could move with lightning speed. Greece is the birthplace of reason and reason tends to be more more active, it has greater alacrity than tradition. The Persian Empire was tradition bound, the Greek Empire was moved by reason. So Daniel saw in the 8th chapter of the book of Daniel, he saw the characteristic of the Greek king Alexander who was like a shaggy goat that covered the earth with great bounds, moving quickly. And in military strategy, Alexander is known for the genius of being able to move his troops rapidly. He was the first rapid deployment force that there was. I'll take a moment here and tell you something a little bit more about Alexander. I've often wondered why he was depicted as a shaggy goat. I mean, you could have depicted him as, a, as anything. You could have depicted him as an ox, or you could have depicted him as, as um, a horse. He had his famous horse called Bocephus. You know, why, did, why was he depicted as a goat, a shaggy goat? Well, the, the historians tell us, and there, there is a, an excellent article in the June 2020 uh, version or edition of the Smithsonian Magazine that I've gotten quite a bit of this information from. No intent to publish a Christian piece, it was just telling uh, historical information that the, the forefathers of Alexander uh, came down from the region of Turkey into northern uh, Greece in the region known as Macedonia and they were conquering and establishing kind of a local kingdom amongst tribes, unifying tribes, establishing a kingdom. At, At the location known as Delphi in the ancient world, this was where historically secular prophets gathered. And so the oracle at Delphi, which was the prophetic, the prophetic company at Delphi. Uh, in the ancient world, prophets were also called oracles. The oracle at Delphi told Alexander's forebear that uh, three and a half centuries before uh, the time of Alexander, that in his southward move, he would come to a place, he would come to a spot where he would meet a herd 
of white goats, and he should follow the goat herd to a location, and when they stopped, he should build his capital city there. So, according to the ancient legend, the forebear of Alexander and of Philip, his father before him, built a city called Agai, A-G-A-I, Agai, which in pre-Hellenistic Greece was the word goat. Alexander was born in Goat City. His father, Philip, built a much larger palace complex at Agai, and Agai was the central city of the, of the, of the, the Macedonian Empire under the rule of Philip of Macedonia. In fact, Philip, Philip the father of Alexander, was assassinated in the in the the arena inside the palace. He was was assassinated by a male lover whom he had jilted, who was jealous. Alexander was born in that palace and was hardwired to the identity of of the conqueror from Goat City. So, so that's why God would use the shaggy goat. Story has it, uh, um, Josephus in his Antiquities of the Jews writes that when Alexander came to uh, Jerusalem on his way to conquering uh, the Persian Empire under the rule of Darius II, that he asked the high priest, he sent an emissary to ask the high priest in Jerusalem to join him and join his, his, his military forces. The high priest sent back word that he couldn't do that because he was covenantally bound to the Babylonians because Cyrus had granted the decree and furnished the supplies for Uh, the repatriation of the Jewish um, captives out of Babylon back into into Israel. And uh, at the time when Alexander made his appeal, Darius II was ruling. Well, uh, the story has it, Josephus says that uh, Alexander came up to the the front of of the gates of Jerusalem and was camped outside. The the night before, the high priest had a a vision in which God told him not to be afraid but he should dress up in the full regalia of the priest uh, with the breastplate, with the twelve stones, with the urim and the thumbing, all, all of his regalia as the high priest and the rest of the priest should dress in white, and white linen. And they went out, uh, they opened the gates of uh, Jerusalem as Alexander was camped outside and stood outside. Upon seeing this, Alexander rides forward 
on his famous black charger Bocephus and was followed at some distance by Cassandrus, one of his four generals. And um, as he approached the high priest, he got down off his horse and walked toward the few steps toward the high priest. And he told, he told the high priest that he had gotten his reply rejecting his offer to be part of Alexander's army. And, uh, uh, but he was going to spare the city so the high priest should name the terms for surrender. And uh, his general who had accompanied him said to him, My lord, this is insane. Cities open, your men are paid by plunder. Um, why are you going to spare the city? And he said, Two nights ago, I saw this man in a dream pointing to the high priest. Looked exactly like him. <coughs> and he is here to tell me useful information about my future. So, the high priest invited Alexander to come into Jerusalem and he got out the writings of Daniel and read the eighth chapter of Daniel concerning a shaggy goat who would cover the ground at an alarming speed and would overthrow the Persian Empire. Alexander did not object to the characterization of, of the prophetic characterization of being a shaggy goat because this boy was from Goat City. He was from Agai. It was a perfect fit and he received the prophecy and spared Jerusalem. That's just an aside, um, an historical aside. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. My point is that there are demonic spirits who rule nations and these princes, these demonic princes have a command under them or they, they command a rule over Koturi of fallen angels. It's these fallen angels that are simultaneously referred to as demons. Michael with his angels fought against the dragon or the devil or Satan whose tail had drawn a third of the stars of the heavens. It's the same dragon, the one who opposes the woman whose tail drew a third of the stars of the heavens. It's right here in the same passage. You have to look outside and think maybe there are two dragons. No, there's one. It's the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who is depicted in the symbolic reference to the stars as Draco, this enormous red dragon with a tail influence or train that influenced a third of the 
of the angels and we know that angels have been referred to even here in the book of of Revelation, back over in chapter 9, angels have been referred to as stars, stars. So there's war in heaven. Now let me point out that at the writing of this, the devil had already been known as the serpent. He's been known as the serpent since the Garden of Eden. I think it's fair to say that the first reference to these fallen angels in creation is to the appearing in the garden having fallen. Now where were they before they fell? If there were angels who waited before the throne of God, then initially they were in the highest of the heavens. They were cast out. Now they weren't all cast out at the same time to the earth, they were all cast out at the same time, but not all to the earth. As I have said before, there are four different locations in which they were cast out or to which they were cast out. One of those locations or four different locations and or conditions, one of those locations is described by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, as the heavenlies. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, he says, in Ephesians 6, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So one of the heavens is the situs or the location of the throne of Satan, from where he rules. Now, when they were cast out, they were cast out to the second heavens and there are three of them because Paul said, I knew a man fourteen years ago, whether I was in the body or out of the body I cannot say, but he was caught up to the third heavens. So whenever the Scriptures say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, there are at least three of them that God created. So the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and from the heavenly realms, the invisible second heavens, that's where the prince of Persia ruled, that's from where the prince of Greece ruled, that's where the throne of Satan is. But that's not the only location in which you will find fallen angels. We already saw that we found that there were some of them in Tartaru or Tartarus in the the Greek and that too is referred to as hell. But it's not the same hell, hell in general was comprised in in the Greek mind and the Bible uses the Greek 
understanding to portray spiritual things and to portray the accuracy of things as spoken in the scriptures. So it's not that the Greek perspective has no value, it, that it has limited value. What, and it has limited value as a carrier. The accuracy of the information is not as it relates to Greek mythology and Greek concepts. The accuracy of the information is as it's recorded in the scriptures. But the concepts present in Greece and in Greek literature and, and Greek mythology are useful as a framework of understanding. Otherwise, it'll all be, you'd have to present the information in some fashion of order or form. And so the, the presentation of the information uh, of the invisible realm that includes humans and demons is being presented in this fashion. So the second place, the first being in the second heavens, the second place where we'll find the demonic and we'll find a certain category of the demonic is those who are bound in chains in darkness in Tartaru or Tartarus. Now that is to prevent these demonic spirits from having any activity on the earth. They're bound there, but they're bound there until a certain time, until it's time to loose them out of there. You see, it's very simple. If the demonic were fully released on the earth, as they will be, they would have created the conditions on earth early on that they will create later on. So they're restrained until the time. Okay? So Tartarus is another of these realms where hordes of the demonic are bound and kept in chains in darkness and, and do not and are not allowed at this point to affect human beings and the affairs of human beings. But we did see earlier on in chapter 9 where they were released. The third location is, has relationship to specific angels, fallen angels. So we know that there are four great angels. When the Bible calls them great, it means they are massively powerful. Four, four great angels were bound by the great river Euphrates. Now why would they be bound by Euphrates? Why not the Amazon? You know, why not the Irrawaddy? <laughs> because they're related to Babylon. They're related to that which is known as Babylon. Tigris and Euphrates were two of the rivers of Babylon. Um, and the psalm says, by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. So the character of Babylon is very much in these four great angels. They're bound there. When they're loose, they will bring forth the character of Babylon, what Babylon was about on the earth. And in, 
Part of what Babylon is about is false religion. Part of what Babylon is about is enslavement of people. Part of what Babylon is about is babble or confusion, misinformation. When these four great angels are released, you will begin to see the characteristics of Babylon infuse the mobs of humanity that have forgotten about God. The spirit of Babylon will inhabit like a ravenous and rabid beast. The spirit of Babylon will be rampant in this fourth beast, seven heads and ten horns, that we we will see. And the woman who rides on this beast has a name, mystery, Babylon, the mother of harlots. And she rides on the beast that has seven heads and ten horns, drinks the blood of the saints. So the release of these four great angels bound by the great river Euphrates will recreate, no, will bring it to the fullness of the spirit of Babylon that Israel experienced for 70 years in Babylon. And the final final place where we might find these fallen angels, these demonic spirits, is on the earth where they interfere with uh, human activities and even possess, in the extreme, they possess human beings. Uh, If Satan, if the dragon is called the devil and Satan and he was an angel at one time, then it's no stretch to consider demons as devils, uh, as demons slash devils as angels who had fallen. So many times in the ministry of Jesus, uh, it would be said about him uh, that he cast out demons or he cast out devils. Devils, demons, the devil, a fallen angel, they're all one in the same category. Now they don't have the same rank. They don't have the same rank. When the Bible says it's a great angel, it means it's a great angel. But angels are servants. They were created to serve. All angels are ministering servants sent to serve the saints. So when angels uh, are in array, you will find angels who are lesser in order of importance and angels who are greater in that structure. Now they were all originally in heaven, they were thrown out into the second heaven, but the war continues. The war continues. In fact, here is something Jesus said. He said in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Now, in the Greek, the imperfect tense is used 
So the proper translation of that would be, it should be brought out in this translation. I was beholding Satan as lightning falling from heaven. So the falling is a progressive thing. You see the fall progressively happening. Initially, when they were cast out, that was contemporaneous with, or at the time shortly after, the earth was created, shortly after Adam and Eve were on the earth. So the devil and Satan has been the serpent from the beginning, from the beginning of human history. Jesus saw Satan falling, which is the continuation of his fall. Paul saw him ensconced in the second heavens, together with the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what are we talking about now? That there was no longer a place for them in heaven, so they lost their place and the great dragon was cast out together with the angels and then it was said, Now has salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now Satan could go back and forth at the command of God between the heavens and the earth and that's why he could say to God, I've been walking up and down in the earth and going to and fro in it in the case of the in the case of Job. So from his place in the second heavens, God could call him up, require him to stand and give an account. But in this occasion, Salvation, strength, and the power of Christ and the kingdom of God will have come fully on the earth. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren, he accused Job, so we know where he was when he was accusing Job, has been cast down. He's no longer in the second heavens. This, is, this represents the continuous falling and therefore it says, Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Why? Because you've been rid of this force. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows his time is short. How does he know his time is short? Well, the earth is about time, whereas the eternal is not the, or the, the heavens, although the heavens are bound by time as well, because when in the, appropriate, in the appropriateness of time, the thing comes out of the heavens, comes into the earth. But when you're, when you're ensconced in the second heavens, 
time is, does not have the same urgency for you. When you're thrown out into the earth, then you're bound by the rules of physicality. You're bound by the laws of time and space. And that's when an invisible creature, an invisible creature has to look for a host because he's otherwise powerless. And so we'll begin to see then the formation in chapter 13 and the inhabiting of this of persons and of a global kingdom which was prophesied in Daniel 7. We'll see it come forth on the earth in Revelation 13. Now, I have by no means finished the deconstruction of chapter 12. I just wanted to show you something of how the angels are constructed, their their rank, their order, etc., to identify them with greater specificity and to show you that this war will be engaged finally on the earth. It's been going on in the heavens, been at least two episodes of it, the one where they were kicked out of the first heaven into the second heavens, and the second, and Jesus saw Satan fall in that fashion as lightning, but prophesied in his words the continuing falling of Satan, prophesying that the time will come when he will actually be bound by time and space and will not be allowed the anonymity of the invisible realm. Then he's filled with fury. That's when he pulls out all he's got left. That's when he utilizes everything that he has been planning since his fall. So the book of Revelation is moving toward this crescendo, this crescendo of a climax. I promise you this, the end of the age will not come with a whimper. It's going to come with a bang. You won't sleep through it. We'll continue our discussions of the book of Revelation when we continue the next time. God bless you. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.